Thank you for tuning in to the audio podcast of Renaissance Church, a new church plant located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please check out our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like more information about joining the launch team of Renaissance, or if you would like information on how you can partner with us to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. So as you can see this morning, as we continue Advent, we're talking about hope as one of the components of Advent. So we'll get to that as we go through um, our sermon here this morning. I want to say again, welcome. We're so glad to gather together, thankful to be, uh, be here together, to worship together, to look to Jesus, to truly find our hope in him. So as we start, like, I think all of us come from probably, some of us come from very different backgrounds and different types of Christmas traditions, all right? So, but for me, Christmas and thinking about Christmas traditions, waking up on Christmas morning was a big deal, right? You, you, wait, you wake up on Christmas morning because hopefully there's going to be some Christmas presents, right? Um, and we can debate later who puts them there. We won't get into that now, but um, but it was always an exciting thing. And I remember at nighttime, like on Christmas Eve, going to bed as a kid, I could not sleep. You lay there and you're like, I can't wait. I just, I can't, you know. And so, you know, a couple times you kind of like get up and go and peek in the living room or whatever. Um, and so, but then you wake up early and you run and you say, Mom, Dad, get up. It's time to get up. We're gonna do all this stuff. So that was part of Christmas for me growing up. And what would happen is my great grandmother would always come and stay the night with us on Christmas Eve. We'd go to a Christmas Eve service, she would come, which was awesome, and I loved my great-grandmother, um, and she, but she, she would get up really, really early, and she would make breakfast, right, which was awesome. She would make biscuits and gravy. If you don't know what that is, would, then come to my house sometime, and it's very southern food in the, in the States. I don't know who else eats it. It's kind of an odd food, but, you know, think about, it's like poutine, but with, like, bread instead of fries, okay? Um, so, anyways, so she would get up, and she would make breakfast, and, which was awesome, except that that just prolonged the um, opening of the presents, right? Because you sit down and you eat breakfast. But, you know, it's breakfast, so it's good. So I'm not a morning person, right? Does anybody, would you raise your hand and say, I am not a morning person, anyone, right? Who, who would say I am a morning person? Because that's just weird, right? Anyways, I'm not a morning person, but on Christmas, I was a morning person, right? And so, because I wanted to get up, I was excited, I wanted to go eat the breakfast, open the presents, spend time with family, all of those things. Because on Christmas morning, I had hope, right? I had hope that I would get some presents. Hope was not just an idea or a theory at that time. It literally got me out of bed, right? So think about this idea of hope, that you and I, we can live as people of hope. We can live our lives with the type of hope that gets us out of bed in the morning. A hope that motivates us to say, I want to love and follow Jesus and love the people around me and the world around me. The type of hope that gets us out of bed in the morning. So the title of my sermon today is, How to Be a Morning Person. Actually, I'm just kidding. That's not the title of my sermon. But, yeah, if you have advice on that, I probably need it as well, how to be a morning person. Okay, no, we're talking about hope this morning. And as we continue in Advent, our series is called Joy to the World. What is Advent? We said this last week, but we'll put it on the screen again. Advent is a time of expectant waiting, remembering that Jesus, the Messiah, has come. And we wait expectantly for him to come again. 
The season of Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas as a time to really pause and be still and remember that Jesus was born and remember that Jesus is coming again. It's built into the life and rhythm of our churches and, our, and, and, and all these things to be able to kind of take a breath. You know, at the end of the year, we, we've had busy, like, whatever's been happening in the year, it's a good time to think and reflect on the year and think about the year to come. And Advent is built into that to remind us that Jesus is the center. Jesus is the focus. And so I would encourage you, during this season of Advent, these next few weeks leading up to Christmas, take time each day to pause and to be still and to focus on Jesus, to think about what it means that he came to earth. And there's a ton of resources for this. There's resources of ways that you, things you can read, things you can do on your own or as a family or with friends, things that you can do to very intentionally focus and say, okay, we are pausing, we're being still, and we are remembering that Jesus has come. Time to focus on why we celebrate Christmas. It sounds a little cheesy, but, you know, to say Jesus is the reason for the season is actually a really important thing to kind of all the time stop and say, okay, we get caught up in gifts and Christmas parties and family and all these things, which are all good things, but to remember, we celebrate because Jesus has come. He is Emmanuel. The Bible uses this word Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think about that. God who is holy and powerful and so different from us came to be with us. It's as if God moved into our neighborhood, that he's not distant, he's not far away, he is God with us. And so we say and we celebrate joy to the world because Jesus has come to bring peace and hope and joy and love. So as you saw in the video, our main point this morning is this, that Jesus has come to bring hope. And Advent reminds us that Jesus, that in Jesus, hope has come. That we can experience this hope on a daily basis while looking back at God's faithfulness and looking ahead to a future hope. Annabelle, if you want to come and light our candles. And so each week we have candles that, um, so last week the, the candle that's partially burned represents this idea of peace. That Jesus has come to bring peace. And so today we'll light that one, and in addition, we'll add the hope candle that Jesus has come to bring hope. And these are just a physical reminder in front of us this morning to remember that Jesus has come to bring hope. To remember that Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah, is the light of the world. Let's pray together this morning as we begin our sermon. Gracious God, in this Advent season, God, we cry out to you. We come to you looking for hope. When everything else that we rely on fails us, God, our only hope is in you. Lord, when we don't understand what's going on around us, we hope in you. We have a hope in our lives. We have hope for the future because of you you and because we trust in you. God, we know that you are with us no matter what we're facing. Some of us only see darkness in our lives. Some of us only see darkness during this time of year. Some of us find life overwhelming. Some of us are filled with joy. But Lord, wherever it is that we find ourselves this morning, remind us that our hope is in you. 
Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that we would walk away from here this morning with a renewed hope, with a deeper hunger for you, with a deeper love for you, because you are good and you are gracious. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I want to talk this morning, as we talk about hope, I want to talk to you about a concept that I think maybe I created, I don't know, called three-dimensional hope, right? Have you ever been to a 3D movie, right? You'll see a little picture of a, of a guy, a handsome-looking young man here. Have you ever been to a 3D movie? Well, so when you have the glasses on, if you've never been to one, when you have the glasses on, the movie appears to be in three dimensions, which would actually be like height, width, and then actually depth, right? So the three dimensions. It feels like things are like coming right at you. So if you go to see like a space movie, there's like asteroids flying at your face and whatever. Um, and so uh, it, it can be pretty cool. One time I went to a movie and I sat like almost on the front to the side and it was actually kind of awful because the 3D, you kind of need to be like facing it. And I was like to the side and everything was just kind of blurry and I had a headache. It was awful. But it's pretty cool when it works, right? And it, and, you know, it kind of like feels like you're there and it's like very immersive and all of that things feels like things are coming right at you. And although like it's cool, but we don't look too cool while wearing the glasses, um, but at least we can all look weird together as a crowd at a 3D movie. You'll see like these wonderful people, like they're, they're very immersed, like, and they're like, they're, they think things are like coming at them, right? Um, so, Movies in 3D can seem more lifelike, realistic, and are more um, immersive. You feel like you are in the movie. So, what is 3D hope? It's seeing the world through the lens of biblical hope, which the video referenced that term, biblical hope. And we're going to define between two different things. Like, we have, like, us and the people around us and the world around us, we have a concept of hope, right? But we want to talk about, what, how does the Bible talk about hope? Biblical hope, hope in the past, hope in the present, and hope in the future. Those are our three dimensions of hope this morning. The past, the present, and the future. Biblical hope is like 3D glasses for life. And without this type of hope, without this 3D biblical hope, the idea of hope is kind of flat. It's kind of like a regular old movie, right? You know, maybe even one in black and white in the days before they had color. I told we were watching a movie with our kids the other day in black and white, and I said, this is before the world was in color. And they were like, what? And they're like, that's just a bad dad joke, so move on, right? But without this idea of biblical hope, our concept and definition of hope really is kind of flat. It's kind of one or two dimensional, right? It's, it's, it doesn't have the depth that biblical hope has because without a biblical understanding of hope, hope becomes kind of like wishing for something or kind of like optimism, right? And so we say things like, I hope I get that job. I hope you have a good trip. I hope I get what I want for Christmas. I hope this sermon is not too long. I hope my life goes well and that one day everything doesn't spontaneously combust and fall apart, right? We have this like idea of hope that we're like, I just, I hope these things happen, which I realize I'm using the word hope to define hope, but we say, I wish for this to happen. And so we have this, um, I think it's, it's a less um, deep understanding of this word hope, that it becomes more so of just like, I want that to happen. I wish that would happen. I desire that. I'm optimistic about this thing. And I would say that this kind of hope is not life-changing. This kind of hope is not anchored in anything. It's more like wants and desires, wishing for the best. Now, that's not all bad because hope is an important aspect of endurance and dealing with suffering. And you can go online and Google like 
inspiring stories of hope. And you'll find all kinds of things about how people live through like the worst situations and scenarios, even without a faith in God, because they, had, they were looking beyond their current situation. So hope is still a vital and important aspect of life, even for someone who doesn't follow Jesus. But understanding biblical hope anchors that in something far deeper. It anchors hope in Jesus Christ. As we saw in the video, the biblical understanding of hope is far deeper. It's 3D. It's past, present, and future. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Hope for the past, hope in the present, and hope for the future. We'll start with hope for the past. We think about the story of the Bible, and if, you, and if you're familiar with it, this will make sense. If this is new to you, then this will be something new that you can learn this morning. So when we think about the Bible, the Bible is one story made up of a bunch of different stories, but it's all through this major theme. And really the four major kind of pieces of the story are creation, the fall of humanity or sin, redemption, which is God bringing us back to himself, and restoration, which is God making everything new. So the Bible starts with this account and a story that God created everything. He created all the things around us that we see, the plants and the trees and the sea and the mountains and the earth and all those things, the animals. He created us as humans. In, in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, it says, and God said that it was good. That what God had created was perfect, was made exactly as he wanted to. And humans at that time, the first humans, were in perfect relationship with God. They talked with God and listened to God and they were not ashamed in any way because there was no guilt or shame or fear because there was no sin. And yet, in the Bible, when you get to the third chapter, at the very beginning of the Bible, we have something called the fall, right? And the fall is when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Because God told them, they were in this beautiful garden. He said, you can have anything you want. You can eat from any tree. You can eat the fruit from any tree in this garden. He said, but there's one tree that's not for you. God said, that tree, that's my tree. That's not for you. And yet they went to this tree and they were tempted. And they began to doubt that God was actually good and loving. They began to doubt that God really had their best interests in mind. And they said, well, if we eat this, maybe we can be like God. Maybe, maybe God's holding out on us, and they doubted God's goodness. And they said, we want to do things our own way. We want to be like God. And so they took that fruit, and they ate it, and they disobeyed God. And what happened in that moment, the way the Bible describes it, is that sin entered the world. And sin is separation from God. It's rebellion against God. And sin separated us from God. And they disobeyed God, and now they had guilt. They had shame. They had fear in their lives because they had done the thing that God had told them not to do. They had disobeyed God. And so from the moment that Adam and Eve, the first humans, from the moment that they disobeyed God, the world has been in need of hope. In fact, sin created hopelessness. Sin separated humanity from God. And there was no hope of earning our way back to him on our own. So sin, with sin came hopelessness. With sin came this idea of, I can't fix myself. There's nothing I can do to make myself better. And with sin came what every single one of us have, has, which is an ache and a longing in our heart saying something's not right. 
That is the sense of hopelessness that we feel because of sin. And so when we think about this, this, this big story of the Bible, we're going to look at Psalm 130 this morning. This will be on the screen, and I'll read it for us, um, and then we'll, we'll talk about it from there. So here's what Psalm 130 says. Now keep in mind what we've just talked about with sin entering the world. It says this, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my plea for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let's look at this this morning. Whoever wrote the writer of this psalm is crying out to God, God, I need you. I'm crying out to you. God, hear my prayer. And then he says, Lord, if you should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? Basically saying, God, if you are going to keep records of the things that I've done wrong, then I've got no hope. I can't stand before you. If you're going to keep a list of all that I've done, then what am I going to do? Because all of us have sinned. All of us have done wrong and failed to live up to God's standard. But what's he say in verse 4 immediately after? He says, but. He says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. God, I'm putting my hope in your word. And he gives us this picture, more than watchmen for the morning. Have you ever had to stay up and keep watch in any way? Um, at one time I had to stay, I had to stay in this, like, uh, I was living at this, um, this training school thing, and they had this, like, guard house, and everyone had to take a turn doing that. And it was awful because you sit there and you're so tired and you have to keep yourself awake, right? It's this idea of someone who has to stay up all night waiting and watching. They're just watching to see light. They're waiting for the sun to be incoming up because that means they get to go home and go to sleep, right? And so he's giving this picture, God, I'm waiting for you even more than someone who's waiting for the morning to come so they can go to sleep because they're tired. God, I am waiting for you with everything I have in me. And then in verse 7, it says, Israel, oh Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. And then we come to verse 8. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. He will redeem. Do you see the hope that's in this verse? You see that from the very beginning of time when sin entered the world, when there was iniquity, which means sin or wrongdoing, that the people of Israel looked back and they said, we know we've got a problem, but we know that someone is coming who will redeem us, who will make us right with God. And they have a hope that Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come. And you think about their situation. When you look in the, if you look through the Old Testament, there's hundreds and hundreds of years of the people of God, the Israelite people, waiting. Waiting for God to send Jesus. Waiting for God to send the Messiah. They had the hope of redemption. And there were years and years of prophecies, of, people, of the prophets saying, the Messiah is going to come. And they're waiting. And they're trusting God's promises and when you come to the end of the Old Testament, historically there's 400 years before the New Testament. And during that 400 years, there were no prophets. 
No one was prophesying. No one was saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. So if you can imagine, like we get tired of waiting for something after about a week or maybe even like three minutes on a microwave, right? But if you imagine 400 years, which is generations of saying, we don't know when, we don't know what, but we're trusting what God said. We're trusting that God said a Messiah is going to come. We're trusting that God is going to keep his promises. And so for us today, the church today is in a similar situation to the Israelites at the end of the Old Testament. They're in exile. They're waiting and hoping in prayerful expectation for the coming of the Messiah. Israel looked back at God's past gracious actions on their behalf. They remembered what God had done. And on this basis, they called for God once again to act for them. So in the same way for us today, the church, during Advent, we look back upon Christ's coming in celebration, while at the same time, we look forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. Psalm 130 verse 8 says, He will redeem. There is hope for our past. There is hope for our sin. And so as we think about this idea of looking back, we are able, right here today, we are able to look back at God's word and see that Jesus has come. That Jesus will redeem us, will forgive us of our sin. That there is hope for broken people just like you and I. We can look back and see that God has fulfilled his promises. We have hope for the past. We have hope for our own past. Think about your past for a moment. Don't think too deeply. It can be a little depressing, right? Think about your own past and to see today that because of Jesus, there is hope that our sin can be removed. There's hope for our past. But why? How? Well, it's because of Jesus. And if we turn over to Matthew chapter 1, and this will be on the screen, think about the Israelite people saying in verse 8 there, he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And then we go to Matthew chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 20, I think. And, and, and so I'm going to read from Matthew 1, verse 20. And it talks about, the, there's, this is the story of the birth of Jesus. And so this is right, right, what happens right before this is an angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a son. His name will be Jesus. And then the angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, you're going to have a son. Mary's going to have a son. It's not yours. It's conceived of by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is like, I don't really know what to do with this. I'm going to end this. I'm going to move on, put it in the past and move on. But the angel says, don't do that. Let's read this together. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What did Psalm 138 verse say? As they were waiting for the Messiah, it says he will redeem Israel from all their iniquities. And we come to Matthew chapter 1, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins, that Jesus is why we have hope, why our sins can be forgiven. That all of the hoping that we see in Psalm 130 and all of the hoping and waiting that we see in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus. And Christmas is the time that we remember and celebrate that this is our reality, that Jesus has come to save us out of our sin. We can look back at Jesus us sitting here today, we have hope for the past because we can look back at the Bible and history 
at, the, at Jesus, at his life and death and his resurrection, and we can be filled with hope. Our sins have been paid for. Our sin can be forgiven. We can move out of a hopeless separation with God and into relationship with him. That God can redeem and make all things new. That's the hope for the past. That's the hope that we have. That any sin, any person, me, you, the people around us, the people that sometimes we look at and be like, man, that person's really bad. Well, we need to look at our own selves and see that the grace of God can cover any person. There is hope for the past because Jesus has come to redeem us, to forgive us, to take us out of our sin. So there's hope for the past, but there is also hope for today. So second thing this morning, there's hope in the present. I don't know about you, but I don't want a theological, like churchy or like theoretical idea of hope, right? I want to feel and experience it in my everyday life. And so part of this 3D hope we're talking about is that we can experience hope right now, today. Let's look at Lamentations chapter 3, which is a little bit obscure part of the Old Testament, but it'll be on the screen or you can find it in your Bible. So Lamentations chapter 3 says this. So the word lament, lamentations, lament means just sadness. It means like grieving. And so the people of God are grieving because they have been taken out of their homeland and put in exile in a place because of their disobedience to God. But we come to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 24, and it says this. As they've already, they've described their suffering, their pain, their grieving. And it says, but, but this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. And what a powerful passage, that there is hope that comes, daily hope. Did you see that? Your mercies are new every morning. Daily hope that comes when we remember who God is. We remember the nature and the character of God. That when we realize that he is, what it says here, our portion, which means that he is enough. When we realize that he is enough, it brings us to a point to say, I have hope. I have hope right now today because Jesus is enough for me. I have hope right now because I remember that God is good. God is gracious. God is patient. God is strong. God is sovereign. We remember the character of God, what he is like. And it brings us to a point where we can say, no matter what, I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. That God is loving. His mercies never cease. They are new every morning. There is hope for today. It's not just a theory. It's not just like something, a church thing. It's, I can get up on Monday morning or Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning, not in that order. I can wake up and say, I have hope. God's mercy, God's grace towards us is new today, and I have hope. There's an old song that I used, we used to sing in church growing up. Some of you may know it. And it's The chorus said this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, Talking about Jesus, because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know he holds the future. And then it said this line, and life is worth the living just because he lives. 
Man, what a powerful song. Think about that. Life is worth the living just because he lives. That is hope. That because of Jesus, life is worth living. Because of Jesus. And here's what I think that means. When you're walking down the street, or you're on the metro, or you're at work, or at school, or in the grocery store, or you're at home, there is hope for that moment. That life is worth living because of Jesus. And it's a hope that's anchored in the fact that Jesus came and makes us right with God. And the fact that this world, what we see around us right now, is not all that there is, that Jesus is coming again. And so we have hope in the moment. And the third point is that we have hope for the future. There's hope for today. There's hope for the present. And there's hope for the future. This is the final piece of our 3D hope. And I want us to see, put these things together, that each of these things is vital. Because we have to look back and see we have hope because Jesus came. We have hope right now because Jesus gives us hope and new life every single day. There's mercy every single day. And yet we have hope in the future Because Jesus is coming again. That we can live with hope because this world is not all that there is. For a Christian, we have the hope of eternity. And this changes everything because it impacts how we think about struggles and pain. It changes how we deal with difficulty. Because without this future hope of Jesus coming again, life would be hopeless. And that's maybe a little bit of an extreme statement because there's lots of people all around us who are not following Jesus and they wouldn't say their life is hopeless. But when we step back and begin to say, okay, well, what am I putting my hope in? Because everything that people, we as humans, every single thing that we put our hope in is not going to last. If we put our hope in money, one day it can go away. We put our hope in a relationship, one day it could end. We put our hope in a career or a job, it could fall apart. We put our hope in our own selves, then we're going to let ourselves down. We're going to disappoint ourselves. Whatever it is, ultimately, if we keep tracking and keep thinking about the things we put our hope in, they're going to leave us at a point where we don't have anything to put our hope in. But for a Christian, for someone who has put their faith and hope in Jesus Christ to forgive us and save us, there is the hope of eternity that ultimately we can say, my hope is in Jesus. That if everything else around me crumbles, if everything else in my life fails, Jesus is eternal. And even if I die, my hope is in Jesus because we believe that Jesus is coming again, that he will save us and rescue us and redeem us, that he will restore all things. Without this future hope of Jesus, life would be hopeless. There's a story about a lady named Corrie ten Boom, and if you've heard of her before, she was, um, she was a Dutch, at the time, she was a Dutch girl. Um, her father was a watchmaker, and they, she, their family, and she became a hero in World War II because they, they went out of their way to rescue Jewish people. They brought Jewish people into their home, and they did all of these things to rescue and save people. Eventually, they got caught, and they got sent, her family got sent to a concentration camp. And she's the only one from her family that survived that time. Her family died because they risked their life for the Jewish people. 
But when you read her story, and you, there's, there's a movie about it, or you can read a book, or you can just go online and read about it. It's an incredible story of how her faith and her hope in Jesus carried her through that time. She has a lot of quotes online, and so what one of the quotes is this, is that with Jesus, this is what she said, and imagine being in a concentration camp. About This is the last place you would want to be, right? She said this, with Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains, and the very, yes, very best is yet to be. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains, and the very best is yet to be. Do you hear the future hope in that? That even in a concentration camp, she had hope. Not a vague hope of one day getting out. She had a deep, anchored hope because of Jesus. That no matter what situation we're in, the best is yet to come because ultimately we will be with Jesus. Those who have put their faith in Jesus, everything will be made new. And we will come to a point where we are with Jesus. Another quote that she said that's going to be on the screen. I just want us to see this, this idea of what she's talking about, of hope in the midst of a bad, bad situation. She said this. She said, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. This is filled with hope. And this is hope about our future because no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on, God's love is deeper still. The best is yet to come because of Jesus. And that's not to downplay suffering. Suffering is really hard, right? And it's not just saying, oh, it's going to be okay. The best is yet to come because that's really cheap. But with Jesus, we have a future hope that even in the worst, that our hope is found in Jesus. Final scripture I want to look at this morning. This is 1 Peter. This is referenced in the video. Why do we have a future hope? Because Jesus is our living hope. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. This will be on the screen. Starting in verse 3. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have a living hope. The risen Jesus is our living hope. See, Jesus, when Jesus came and was born, he was born in sinless, and he lived a perfect life. He'd never disobeyed God. He did everything that God required. And Jesus gave his life on the cross to die for our sin. That you and I deserve to die. We deserve judgment and punishment because of our sin. But Jesus died in our place. And yet that's not the end of the story. We know because three days later Jesus rose again. And this scripture points to that. That the risen Jesus is our living hope. That hope is no longer just an idea or a concept. Hope is a person. Hope is Jesus. Hope is found in him. He is our living hope. That he is coming again to make all things new. To restore everything. Our hope is not in the world around us but in and eternity with Jesus. We have a future living hope because Jesus has come to bring hope. This is 3D hope. Hope in the past, hope in the present, hope in the future. 
You can experience hope in the past by giving up your sin. And maybe today you need to say, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to see that I can be set free from my past. I can be set free from sin. I can be made new. And to experience hope in the past. You can experience hope today in the present by trusting in the character of God. What's that look like? It looks like taking actual time to be still and to read the Bible and say, what's God like? Because when we read the Bible, we see what God is like. Or taking time to stop and remember, I'm stressing out about everything, I'm fearful, I'm anxious, I'm all of these things, but God, you are in control. You are strong. God, I feel unloved, but you never stop loving me. That We have hope in that moment when we remember who God is and what he is like. And then we can experience future hope by getting our focus off of stuff that won't last. Are you putting your hope in stuff that's not going to last? Are you putting your hope in a career or money or a relationship or physical appearance or whatever it is because all of it is not going to last? Our future hope is going to come because hope is in Jesus. As I start to wrap up, I want us to think about but like, what does this look like in your life? What does it look like to live with this type of hope? It means that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as the church, we become people of hope. That the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the message of Jesus gives us this 3D perspective. It gives us this perspective of saying, my sins in the past have been forgiven. I, hope, I have hope for right now, for today, because of Jesus. And I have hope for the future that no matter what happens, Jesus is coming and my eternity is safe and secure with him. That we become people of hope. And it changes the way that we look at life. It changes the way we look at problems. It changes the way we look at suffering. It even changes the way we look at how we view entertainment and pleasure and all those things. We think, oh, that's going to make me happy. That's going to fulfill me. And yet, understanding that in the beautiful, wonderful, good things of life, they're not our hope. We enjoy them, but our hope is in something greater. Our hope is in Jesus. Because our hope is a living hope, in Jesus. And, and that word gospel means good news. A living and, and living a life of hope is good news. So again, we're thinking about what's this look like in our life? For us to be people of hope, for us to be as we go throughout our daily lives, for people to look and say, why do you have hope? Why do you have hope in a world where you turn the news on and bad things happen every moment? Why do you have hope in a world where everything is bad news? I have hope because my hope is not based in what's going on around me. My hope is based in Jesus, who is eternal, who has forgiven my sin, who is faithful today, and who will be faithful in the future. And when that sinks in our hearts, it becomes good news. And we like to share good news, right? How many of you have seen a really good movie fairly recently? Okay, you've seen a good movie 
Our kids went to see Frozen 2 recently, and they said it's the best movie ever. So they came, and they told me all about it, and they said, oh, this, 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 and this, and they probably spoiled it and ruined it, and then I probably forgot it, which is okay. But they, they tell, so you come, and you see a good movie, or you eat at a really good restaurant, or I recently got a new pair of pants, and I really like them, and I told like five people, hey, look at my new pants. They're great. You should get some, right? When we get something that we really like, or when we experience something we want to share it. We want to tell good news. My wife is shaking her head at me right now. So, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Um, but anyways, when we have these things, it is natural to share it. When we experience this type of hope in our lives, it's good news. And we will desire to say, hey, I have hope. If your situation seems hopeless, I can tell you how to find hope. It's in Jesus. And we become people of hope that when it sinks into our hearts and when we think deeply about what it means that we have hope, our lives, can, our lives can then overflow with hope to the people around us because I promise people are looking for hope. People are looking for, for, for meaning, for answers, for peace. We talked about last week. People are searching. And when they can see people living that out, having hope, having peace, Having joy when it doesn't make sense, it's good news, and we become people of hope. And so we say joy to the world. This is the name of our series, Joy to the World. Why? Because Jesus has come to bring hope. I want to close this morning with this. And I've said it already, I think, a couple times this morning, but I want you to think about your own life. And I want you to hear this morning, there is hope for you. No one is too far gone. No one is too messed up. There is hope for you. There's hope for your past. There's hope for your present today. And there is hope for your future. And then I want us to think about the people that we walk by every day, the people that we see. There is hope for every person. There's hope for our world. And it's not just, okay, I hope everything's good. We have a hope that is stronger, that is deeper, that is not based in this world, but is based in eternity. A hope that is because of Jesus. So during this Advent season, be reminded of waiting. Be reminded of trusting that God fulfills his promises. Be reminded of hoping. I already quoted one old song, but I'm going to quote another one this morning. And we sing, we sing a version of this sometimes, but the words of this song say that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What does that mean? That our hope, the only reason that we have a good and lasting hope is because of Jesus, because he gave his life on the cross, because he lived a good and righteous life that we are not able to, to live up to. And my hope is built on that. And the chorus of that song says, On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It's this image in this picture that anything we build our lives on if it's not built on Jesus, anything we build our lives on, it's going to crumble. It's sinking sand. It's not eternal. It doesn't last. Jesus 
Later in the song, it says, He then, it says, when all the world around me gives way, everything falls apart, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Jesus is the source of hope. It doesn't come from good thoughts or good vibes or being better or thinking better. Jesus is the source of hope. And our hope can be anchored in him. And the truth of the Bible, the truth that we experience in our lives is that we are broken and sinful people. We have not lived up to what God has told us to do. The Bible calls it sin. And we seek and try to fix our lives. We seek and try to do all kinds of things to make us right with God, to make us feel okay. But the truth is this, that we, we can't do enough. There's nothing that we can do to earn our way to God. There's nothing we can do to fix our own lives. But God in his love sent his son Jesus, and Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died in our place. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we are made new. Well, what's that mean? It means that we come to the point where we say, I recognize I can't fix myself. Jesus, you have done everything to forgive me of my sin. You can make me right with God. I can't earn it. I can't do it myself. But Jesus, you have done that for me. And we put our faith in Jesus and we turn away from our own life and say, I don't want to be the boss in my own life anymore. Jesus, would you take over? We are made new. And the Bible says we are brought into relationship with God. And this is what the Bible calls the gospel. And the gospel gives us hope. So this morning, maybe you need to say, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to turn away from myself. I need to let God take care of my past. I need to know how to find hope for today and hope for the future. And the hope comes from the fact that Jesus took our place and died for us and rose again. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to help answer questions about that and tell you how you can love and how you can know and follow Jesus, how you can have what the Bible calls new life. Maybe today you need to just pray with someone. Maybe you need to remember and recognize that your past has been forgiven by Jesus. Maybe you need to recognize today that you have hope in this moment because of Jesus. Maybe you need to remember today that our future hope is because of Jesus.